0: your Bibles and turn to 1 John chapter 4 for our scripture reading. If you're joining us online, we're glad to have you tonight. And uh, we have a visitor tonight, Brad. Good to have Brad from Lancaster County. And uh, he asked, uh, you know, one place to give me a reference of where he lives near, and he had to say shady maple. And now I'm hungry. (laughs) So if you haven't said hello to Brad and give him a warm welcome, we're glad you're here, brother. All right, 1 John chapter 4. Let's all stand for the reading of God's word. I'm going to begin reading in verse 9, and I'll end at our text tonight, which is verse 16. First John chapter 4, verse 16 will be our text, but we're going to begin reading in verse 9. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his Spirit. And we have seen, and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. May God bless his word tonight to us. Please bow with me in prayer. Our God in heaven, we rejoice tonight that you are a loving God. We rejoice tonight that you have revealed yourself in your word. And Father, I pray that as we focus in these evening services, especially in this chapter on, on love, uh, I pray, Father, that you would help us to realize uh, the difference between the love that you have And the love that the world experiences. And the love that the world has. And I pray Father. Even for many online that that may be listening. That they would give close attention. To what your word says. About how you have demonstrated your love to us. And Father we understand as for many of us. When we first heard about your love. it, It did not make sense. In fact. The preaching of the cross was foolishness to many of us until we came to understand exactly what Calvary meant and how that was the demonstration of your love. I pray tonight that you might open eyes, that folks would see your love on display. And we ask your blessing tonight on the Word, in Jesus' precious name, Amen. You may be seated. Please take your Bibles and turn to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Or I could just say turn to the love chapter. Remember that? And I hopefully by now you would not turn to 1 Corinthians 13 because it's only mentioned nine times there. Here it's mentioned over and over and over and over. And uh, so today, tonight we're going to look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. Dwelling in love. And as you know, chapter 4 is the love chapter. Uh, I think 29 times did I say? 29 times the word agape is translated love here, uh, way more than the, the, than 1 Corinthians 13. But even more so, 1 Corinthians 13 is more of a generic. Uh, these, these are the qualities of love. But in 1 John chapter 4, we see the demonstration of, of love and the source of love, which is God Almighty. And so we've been building up to this. Let's look at verse 16. I'll read it. And then we'll pray and jump right into the word tonight. Again, 1 John 4, 16. John says, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Please pray with me. Father, I'm so grateful for the folks that have come out tonight to sit under your word. I thank you, Father, for the privilege of being able to study your word and then impart and and feed the flock. Help me tonight, Father, to be true to your word. Help me to rightly divide, to properly interpret and apply the scriptures so that we might grow, so that the congregation, your flock, would be fed. Thank you for those that are joining us online. Uh, Lord, we just pray that you'd bless the scriptures And we know your word will not return void. And so we pray that you would prosper. Uh, Every message that is preached here now and and multiple people are listening to it, we just ask your blessing now. And uh, thank you again in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So we've been talking about, John's been talking about God's love. It is on display. And it is, in fact... Um, if you are a if you've studied or been trained for evangelism, usually there's two verses. I remember many many years ago when I took uh, a soul winning course, an evangelism course. First verses we memorized were John three sixteen and Romans five eight, and those are phenomenal verses that articulate clearly the gospel and articulate very clearly and concisely God's love. Probably most of you know John 3.16, right? What is that? For God so loved the world, so loved that, in other words, in this way, He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That's how He demonstrated His love. And then Romans 5.8, but God commendeth His love toward us. Commend is a word which means to to demonstrate or to establish. God commends or demonstrates His love toward us. How did God demonstrate His love toward us? In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And now I've added a couple more, these precious nuggets. If you want to, you know, if you've got John three sixteen and Romans 5, 8 under your belt and you use it a lot for witnessing, let me give you some more ammo. And there's three more verses that clearly demonstrate God's love on display. And they're all from 1 John. 1 John, in fact we got John 3.16. Remember now there's 1 John 316, which says this hereby perceive we the love of God. To perceive is to recognize. Here's how we recognize. Here's how we perceive the love of God. Because he laid down his life for us. Again. And then now in the the very chapter we're looking at now, there's two verses that can be added to this uh, artillery in witnessing to really hit home God's love on display. And it's First John chapter four, verses nine and ten. Listen to look at verse nine. In fact, you're right there. You can look at it. In this was manifested. That means to make something visible, to make it clear. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Wow, he's he's tackling this from every which way since Sunday, right? I mean, he's just he's just telling you over and over. You want to know my love? Here it is. Here's how it's made clear, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. So when people question, and they do, whether or not God loves them. Usually, it's because, again, they're looking in all the wrong places, aren't they? They're looking at world events. They're looking at circumstances in their life. They're usually looking at temporal things or how they feel. And we have to direct them to God gets our attention. He says, hey, here's how I'm demonstrating my love. Over and over. In fact, look at verse ten. We're not done. Verse nine said again, and this was manifested the love of God toward us. Verse ten says, "Herein is love. This is love. This is love. Not that we loved God." You say, "But oh, but I love God so much." If you love God, it's only if you love God properly. It's only because He loved us. In fact, again, herein is love. Not that we love God. And we're going to talk about that for a little bit tonight because human love is very, very different than God's love. Human love, oftentimes, especially if it's not rooted and flowing from God's love, which is what this verse is talking about, then it can merely be animal passion. So herein is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us, and sent his son to be the propitiation for our, for our sins. There is this thing in the world. Um, it started in chemistry. And I apologize if you are not a big fan of chemistry. Um, I was not either. But I did double check this to make sure that I really don't mess it up. You ever hear of a litmus test? Okay, They use it a lot in, in politics. A litmus test actually goes back to an old word. That literally means die because it's a dye. Uh, there's a litmus p- paper, and it usually, it's one of the earliest tests to, to determine the at- acidity of a solution. And, uh, of course, that's in chemistry, but that term is now carried over into politics and other areas to where a litmus test is usually a single test, if they're considering a candidate. It's usually when there is a singular test that determines, that's so important to someone, that whatever this candidate, or, or maybe a potential judge, you know, whatever their beliefs are, a multitude of things, if there's a litmus test, that means there's, there's one big question. What does the candidate believe about this? And if you are a voter that says, you know, I understand there's a lot of issues, but there's one big issue... That would be a litmus test. Uh, And by the way, I I don't... In in politics, I think there is a major... Especially when it comes to to judges today. uh, I think there is a major issue. uh, Biblically speaking, when you consider the most innocent, vulnerable people of all the world. Unborn children. And I have no problem saying that's a litmus test, but that's, that's in a different direction. Do you know that there is, according to what John is saying, there is a litmus test that, that demonstrates when somebody is genuinely of God. It's a litmus test. Love is the litmus test of, authentic, of an authentic relationship with God. And we're going to look at that tonight. It is communicated uh, in this scripture. If we are indeed children of Jesus Christ through faith, uh, children of God by faith in Jesus Christ, uh, we will take on God's nature. Uh, 2 Peter 1.4 says, uh, Exceeding great and precious promises are given to us that we might be partakers of the divine nature. When somebody gets saved, they take on divine nature. And so, they're going to be attributes of God. Now, there are attributes of God which are called non-communicative. In other words, they're things that only God has, and He doesn't share them with us. God is omnipotent. You and I will never be omnipotent, even if we think we are. <laughs> God is transcendent. God is eternal. Now, you and I will live forever. We had a beginning, though. God had no beginning, no end. So, there are certain attributes of God uh, a, a pretty good number of them that are what are called non-communicable. He doesn't share them with anyone. But then there are qualities of God that he does share with his people, like love, holiness, goodness. Uh, again, and tonight now, there's a, pre- pre- there's a predominant place, that, that especially in John's writings, that love becomes the litmus test for a believer, in fact, Jesus said um, that that's how, the, that's how the world will know that we are disciples, by our love one for another. It's a very important thing. And so we're going to look at that. Let me give you three of the outline, and we're going to jump in tonight. Three things about love. The love of God. Number one, it's a specific love. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. John did not just say, we know and we believe in love. It's all about love. No, he says we know and believe the love that God had for us. It's a very specific love. Then number two, we have the singular love. That is, there's a singular source where genuine love comes from. God is love. And by the way, we're going to clarify that because there's a lot of people that misuse that term, that phrase. And they they make application of God is love uh, to, to bizarre things, we'll talk about that. And then and then thirdly, so we have the specific love, it's a singular love, and then it's a supplying love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and, him, and God in him. When you and I are dwelling in love, which is supplied by God, uh, it is it supplies, you and I have the ability to love in a way that we never would have before because of God's love for us. So let's jump in. First, it is a specific love, 1 John 4, 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. Let's back up for a minute. Remember, there is a love that the world has that is not the same thing. This is talking about a very specific love. We have known, that means we've experienced it. We have known and we have believed the love that God has to us. You and I who are saved, you and I have received, responded to a very specific demonstration of God's love. Again, it's not just this ambiguous, warm, fuzzy, I just love, love. No, you and I believe and we have experienced the specific love that God has toward us. Which... There's another kind of love. There is the love of the world. The love the world has. In your mind, I want you to go back uh, with me to 2 Samuel 13. Of course, I know you all have the Bible memorized. You're like, 2 Samuel 13, 2 Samuel 13. Oh, yeah, that's Absalom, right? Isn't that what you're thinking? Yeah, right. Um, So Absalom, actually, he he had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. This is really about Tamar and Amnon. Remember that story? And the Bible says... In uh, 2 Samuel 13:1, it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, the son of David, so this was his half-sister, loved her. And that's what the text says. Amnon loved Tamar. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar. This is the first instance of love sickness. Right? He was in love, and he fell sick. And by the way, a lot of people experience this kind of love. It's a warm fuzz. It's a, it's a feel-good attraction. A man toward a woman, a woman toward a man. And Amnon was so vexed, he fell, fell sick for his sister Tamar. She was a virgin. And Am- Amnon thought it hard for, uh, for him to do anything to her. Verse 4. And Am- Amnon said... I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. So we see this word love, and we see Amnon loving her. And again, the same term is used, but folks, this is not the same love that we learn about in 1 John chapter 4. This is a love that people that are alienated from the life of God, this is the best that they can do. And this is the the warm feelings. Amnon, if you've ever, you know, when you're first a child, you, do you remember, you ever have a puppy love? That's what we call it. Do you ever have a puppy love? I remember, I will not say my puppy love. It was in elementary school. And the whole romance was, I was like third grade, little short kid. And, and it was snowing out. I was a girl up the street. And I brought my sled up. And I was still doing Three Stooges stuff where you fall down, and she laughed, and and I felt like she's in love with me. And I would, you know, I would do these stupid little things with the sled, and she would laugh, and I felt good. And I remember that was like the, you know, that was the puppy love, and it develops, you know, it got a little more deep after that in in relationships. But you know what that the emotional warm fuzzies. Amnon had the warm fuzzies for Tamar. He was very attracted to her. He he used the term love. I love Tamar. But you know the story, don't you? The bottom line is, really, it was lust, was it not? Because after he had his way, in the very same chapter, verse 15, 2 Samuel 13 and verse 15, no sooner as he... Had his way with Tamar, it says, then Amnon hated her. Wow. That's pretty shallow, isn't it? He hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had loved her. Past tense. Good feelings gone. The love's not there anymore. He doesn't love her. That's the love of the world. It's really an animal passion. Now, you know, Jesus would talk about this later on in demonstrating how the love that his disciples have one for another needs to be different than the love that the world has. And he described it, he said, you know what? Even the world does good to those who do good to them. And, and, you know, it's very natural to like those who like you, people that show kindness to you, we show kindness. But he said his kind of love is love your enemies. Totally opposite. By the way, that's the kind of love that God would give to us. What an amazing thing. I um, recently read a blog. And is usually the only one I know who has a blog. I know a lot of people have a blog. is really the only one. Other than this, I came across... It was a girl I was in high school with that uh, I was not in love with. And I um, was in the band with her. And um, connected with her on Facebook, and she was an upperclassman, so she probably didn't even know I exist. You know how that is with the, the older ones? You remember the younger ones, like, who was that? And, um, and she, of course, she posted something on social media with a, a link to her blog just recently. She became, she became a United Methodist minister, and she said this, In her blog, in fact, this is what she posted before you clicked and read the blog. She said, Easter is my high holy day, but why? And then she put this link here, and it's called a tiny Easter rant. And she says this, I want you to listen carefully. She says, I didn't go to church Friday. You know what Friday is, right? Good Friday, celebrating the crucifixion. She said, I didn't go to church Friday because I couldn't bear to hear anything resembling traditional atonement theory. So she avoided going to church because she couldn't bear to hear anything resembling traditional atonement uh, uh, theory. Atonement, you know, the reason theologians came up with in the centuries after Jesus' torture and execution for explaining why it had happened. Did you hear that? I want to read it again. This is why she avoided going to church on Friday, because she couldn't bear to hear anything resembling traditional atonement theory. You know, the reason theologians came up with in the centuries after Jesus, after his torture and execution, explaining why it had happened, this gal does not know church history the ones that have gained traction in the last couple hundred years propose that. Here's what she couldn't bear to hear. This traditional atonement. Number one, God needed a sinless Jesus to die as a sacrifice for our sin, yours, and mine. Two, Jesus was born for this purpose. To be a bridge, if you will, between us and the holy. Number three, God is so good That having sin near God is impossible. Jesus has to wash us clean with his blood. I listen to all them and I say, Amen, Amen, Amen. But that's what she didn't want to hear. The traditional uh, theories on atonement that came up years later? No, I don't think so. That's what the first century and the second century and the third century preached. And then she made this heartbreaking statement. She said, I won't go on except to say that these ideas repel me. This is a, a minister, Methodist minister. And then, by the way, she talked about God before this and used a capital G, but in this next statement she now uses a small g. Again, she says, I won't go on except to say these ideas repel me. If this is God, small g, it's not a God, small g, that I want to know or follow. Wow. You know what? She has rejected the love that God has showed to us. And that's what John is saying. That's what we have experienced. That's what we know. And that's what we believe. But obviously, not everybody believes that. She goes on. She said, let's try this instead. No, let's not. Let's go back to that and embrace that. Here's what she says now. Let's try this instead. Jesus died because religious leaders felt threatened and conspired to bring him down, working with a vicious Roman oppressor who was only too happy to do their dirty work. That's why he died. Number two, Jesus died because even though it was clear that powerful people were out to get him, he would not turn from teaching that that and teaching, and treating every person as if God loved them as they were. 3. Jesus died because he held up a mirror to people and while many saw God's acceptance and their inherent worth, others saw that their lives were warped by one thing or another, by hatred or even the law that they loved and they could not bear it. Or number 3, and number 3, Jesus died because people are fickle. I don't know about you. But what she what again, she says, I won't go on except to say that these ideas repel me. What repels her? The love that God has shown to us. The very thing that we've been looking at. The very thing that John is articulating over and over again and saying, "Herein is love. This is how God loved us. That repels her. And by the way, she's not the only one. Multitudes of people reject the love that God has toward us. Hopefully, you do not. Hopefully, you are with John And you have known and believed the love that God has demonstrated. Number two. So it's not only a specific love, the love that God has demonstrated. It's also a singular love. Look at this next statement. Three letters. Right after the period. God hath to us. Three words. God is love. Uh, People love this verse. People that know very little of Scripture have taken this verse and run with it. God is love. And, and, and it's a, it's a cure all. In any situation, you'll hear somebody maybe quote it Wait, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. God is love. You know, and it, when you rip something out of its context, you'll, you'll hear people throwing that at if the doctrine of hell, that there's a hell and a judgment to come. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. God is love. Yes, he is. But that doesn't negate anything, everything else in the scriptures. And so here's here's the point. Let me talk about what it does not mean, God is love. It does not mean that anything that you peg as love is God. And that's the way some people interpret it, uh, who are not monotheistic or do not believe in the God of the Bible. Anything that is love, love is the feeling, uh, that is God. It'd be like saying this. Another attribute of God is that God is invisible. God is invisible. Does that mean that all invisible things are God? No. And can you imagine how ridiculous you would run with that? Gravity. It's invisible, right? Gravity is God. What? The whole spiritual realm is invisible. You're going to say the whole spiritual? It's it's ridiculous, and that is not when you, when people say God is love, and they are using that to say that anything and everywhere, wherever you get the warm fuzzies, that's God. It is a repudiation of the love that God has articulated so clearly in the Scriptures and on the cross. So, here's what Spurgeon said, and I love this this quote. He said, to feel God's love is very precious, but to believe it when you do not feel it is the noblest. I want to read that again. He said, to feel God's love is very precious. Amen? But to believe it when you don't feel it is the noblest. What is God's love? Again, by nature, folks, by human nature, we love those who love us. We love people who are kind to us. Jesus said, love your enemies, do good to them that hate you, bless them that curse you, pray for them which despitefully use you, uh, and you will be the, uh, the children of your father. In other words, you're demonstrating, you're, you're acting like God because God is love. Remember we looked at the word agape, that Greek word, and we saw that, uh, I forget who the theologian was that, that made the observation that agape is a unique love. Uh, And it's a unique term for a unique thing because God had never demonstrated His love before in the way that He did when Jesus came. So it's interesting that that word agape came in at the time when Greek was prevalent and at the time when Jesus would die on the cross. In fact, I preached a message sometime during this series, uh, never seen before something like that because truly Calvary was God's big display Of his love. In fact, Jesus said, Love one another as I have loved you, and that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. In fact, in verse 12 of this very text, chapter, John said, No man has seen God at any time. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. So, how's the world going to see God's love in us? You and I have to have a supernatural... And it only comes from God. In fact, one theologian uh, wrote a definition uh, in this text based on 1 John 4.12. F.F. Bruce was the, the theologian. He gave a definition for the word love in this passage. And it is a consuming passion for the well being of others, and this love has its wellspring in God. That's a very concise statement. But that is love, genuine love. A consuming passion for the well being of others, and this love has its wellspring in God. That's why Amnon's love was just lust. Remember what lust is? Lust is only interested in getting love. I love that st- saying, I've heard it for years. Uh, love can always wait to give, but lust can never wait to get. I, I remember hearing that as a young man. And that, that made a big impact on me. And it's very true. Love can always wait to give, but lust can never wait to get. Let's go back to, to Amnon. And I'm thinking of, um, I, I shared this recently, uh, a professional baseball player that has passed away in, uh, in the Philadelphia area. Uh, I remember on the news, he was getting married the second or third time, and he was being interviewed, and I remember him he was so he was so in love, and he's talking about his wife, and he said, "I love being in love." And this, you know this was like his second or third wife. I thought, well, you know, didn't you love being in love with her?" but you, you, I know exactly what he was talking about. And I think that's the kind of so here's let's let's interview. We're doing an interview with Amnon. Okay, we're going back to First um, Samuel. We're going to interview Amnon. Amnon is at the point in his life where he is smitten with Tamar, and so we put a microphone, which didn't exist back then. We we put it in Amnon's face and we say, Amnon, what do you think of Tamar? Oh, I love Tamar. Oh, the. Feeling that I get, oh, it's these warm, tingly feeling. I'm just so in love with Tamar. Look how beautiful she is, and and he goes on. Two two weeks later, no, let's go two months later. We interview Amnon. Amnon, what do you think about love? Oh, I love Rebecca. She is so beautiful, and oh, it's wonderful. Three months later, we interview Amnon again. Amnon. What do you think of Rachel? Oh, I love Rachel. You get the idea, right? You know, it's, it's, it's this temporal, you know, again, love can always wait to give. Lust can never wait to get. And, and his love was really an animal passion. But our love, folks, is not based on what we get out of something. It's, re, remember what love is again. It's a consuming passion for the well-being of others. Do you marvel? I marvel at the love of God, which has taken residence in my heart. And it's been in there since 1980. So how many years is that? I can't do math. How many years? How many? No, 40. I'm not that old yet, but 42. Okay, 42 years. 42 years. I have had the love of God in my heart, and I've seen things that I know are not from me. Because from the age of 17, all of a sudden, I have the ability to love people that I would not have loved before. People that are not kind to me. People that uh, offer me nothing. People that are maybe not even pleasant to be around. And I genuinely love them. And many of you do too. You have that in your heart. Because you come to this church. Now, I'm I'm not slamming everyone. I'm saying we are all different. And God has put us together. This is is true all across America, where saved, born-again, blood-washed people are put together in one place. And you see the love of God. I shared uh, recently, I was talking about um, the church in, in Philadelphia. Pastor, say it out loud, Pastor Gates and we have had the opportunity. What's the name of the church? Just oh, you don't know, Jim? You remember Liberty. Liberty Baptist? Yes, you're right. And so I've gotten to know a lot of the families that play basketball with my son. And and one of the more, things that I marvel is because I see it in our church, and I, they have love for one another. I, I'd see the kids coming up to the parents, giving them hugs and stuff. It was just it was such a bless my heart. It's like wow, what a what a blessing. Now, I don't know if they were love bombing. Okay? Go back to this morning service. You had to be here this morning to understand what I'm talking about. Uh, but, but true love, now remember, love bombing if, is when you show excessive love because of what you can get out of it. Genuine love is, again, it is a consuming passion for the well-being of others, and it has its wellspring in God. Final point supplying love. Last part of verse 16. I'll read the whole thing. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. So, we've already mentioned that you and I have responded to the love that God has for us. We have experienced it and we believe it. And now... It abides in us and we abide in that love. Now, it's interesting because how people perceive God's love really reveals what they understand about it. For example, some people respond to God's love with a sense of self superiority. I'm so great that even God loves me. Uh, You know what? Actually, it's just the opposite. God loves us not because we're so great. He loves us in spite of who we are. Someone else would respond with doubt. Can God really love me? Well, that's a matter. That goes back to the first part of our verse. And we have known and believed. Remember the example of J. Wilbur Chapman as a young boy going to the D.L. Moody conference or meetings, and he went up and talked to D.L. Moody after and he and Dale Moody asked him if he was saved, he, and uh, and and Chapman said, "Well, Mr. Moody, I'm not really sure that I'm saved." And and Moody opened up John 5:24. You may remember that. Verily, Jesus is speaking. Verily, verily I say unto you, he that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. And he had J. Wilbur Chapman read it. And he said, "Do you believe that, or have you received that? Have you responded to that?" And he said, "Yes, I have." And and then Moody said, "Well, then, are you a Christian?" And Chapman goes, "Well, you know, sometimes I feel like I am, and sometimes I feel like I'm not." And Mister Moody was very patient at first. He said, "Go back, read that verse again." Read the verse again. He said, "Well, are you? You know, did you do that? Or are you saved? yes, I am?" And then uh, and then he goes on. He says, "But you know what, Mister Moody." Sometimes I feel like I'm... And all of a sudden, D.L. Moody got very angry, or, or, you know, very emotionally. He goes, see here, whom are you doubting? And as Chapman tells the story, it was when he said that, that his eyes opened up and he realized, you're right. It, it, Moody was pointing him to the, to the Scriptures, to the love of God, and the fact that Chapman was doubting it, but when he worded it that way, you know, wait a minute, who are you doubting? That solidified it for him, and he said set, that settled it right then and there. It's like you're right. God says it. I've read it. I responded to it. That settles it. And you you remember that bumper sticker, right? God said it. I believe it. That settled it. That settles it. And of course, Mister D. I think he's the one that would always say. And I ended. Up, I actually have bumpers. I still have a couple extra bumper stickers that say say this, if you're interested in this. It just says, God said it, that settles it. Because that middle part, whether you and I believe it, I mean, that's that's as far as, that's what John's saying. We do, we have believed it and we have experienced it. But that's still his love and that settles it. God says it. So, we'll close with verse 10. I want you to look at verse 10. There Actually, one more thing. I'm giving you some examples. Some respond with self-superiority. Some respond with doubt. Some respond with wickedness. Some people say, God loves me so I can do whatever I want. And I would challenge that person that, what is your understanding of the love of God? Because if you really understand His love, you understand how sinful you are, how unworthy you are. In fact, I go back to... Um, in Luke chapter 7 and verse 47, there was a woman that wasted, from the perspective of one of his disciples, wasted a very expensive perfume on Jesus and was just showering him with all this love. And the disciple one of the disciples, you know, commented on, Why are you allowing or I think it was actually the Pharisees that were very upset with her. How can you allow this lady to waste this ointment? And Jesus said to them in verse 47, Her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. In other words, that was a rebuke to them because they didn't think they were all that bad. Here's this woman that had a keen sense that she was not worthy. And she loved Jesus Christ because she knew that she had been forgiven much. So we have a specific love. I hope that you have received that love. I hope you don't put parameters, or I hope you don't, you haven't gone to God and say, "Lord, you know, if you you claim to love me, I want you to show me this way." No, 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 He's already demonstrated His love, and He's communicated it so clearly. The question is, will you receive His love as He has demonstrated it? Then we see it's a singular love. God is love. He's the source of love and then thirdly it is a supplying love it's what is the source and the ability for us to love one another do you dwell in God's love let's pray father thank you for your word I pray that you would help us Lord the world is so skeptical and the world is so unbelieving that they have dismissed your love they have rejected it without even thinking that they've rejected it they have minimalized it they have downplayed it diminished it Father you you do just the opposite you magnify it you proclaim it you have all attention directed to Calvary Because that's where your love is. Father, I pray that not only would we know it by experience and not only would we believe it, but that we would demonstrate it each and every day that we would love those who do not love us, our enemies, that we would show love one for another, that the world would see it and know that we are saved and that we dwell in the God of love. And we ask your blessing tonight.